Wonderful, wonderful. I'd like to invite to the stage our host for today for Exto Event Center, Andrew Andy Feinstein. Thank you, Sean. Hi, I'm Andrew Feinstein. Um, as Sean mentioned, I am your host today. Sorry? Uh, I just woke up. Uh, welcome to the Exto Events Center and the Tracks Nightclub, and even more importantly, welcome to the River North Art District. In addition to being one of the managing partners here at the Exto family, I'm also the uh, co-chair of the River North Art District. So we are thrilled to have you all in our living room today for what I'm sure is going to be a great conversation with our mayor and a lot of good friends here. So, um, you know, given that this is our living room, we ask that we have a... Uh, cordial and respectful conversation, and uh, we're just really excited to get this going. So, Mayor Hancock, thank you to you and your team for asking us to host today. We're thrilled to have you here, and uh, with that, let's get started. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. We are delighted to be here at Exdo, so thank you for having us. At this time, I'd like to acknowledge a few people in the room, if I may. Number one, we are also, not only are we at Exdo, but we are in Council District 9. If we can give a nod to Councilman Brooks, please stand. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for your partnership and for helping us to be here in your district. We're pleased to be back in District 9. Thank you so much. Um, next, I'd like to introduce to you the panel. They will give you their... Um, um, introductions, but at this time, I just wanted to tell you who's sitting in front of you. All right? Right here, we have um, Daryl B. Watson with Whittier Neighborhoods. Yes? We also have Tiana Patterson with Enterprise Community Partners. We're so glad to have you, Tiana. Thank you for being here. Of course, we have the one and only Mayor Michael B. Hancock. Good morning, Mayor. We also have Laura uh, Brzezinski from Office of Economic Development. Thank you so much, Laura. And of course, last but not least, we have Jeff Martinez with Brothers Redevelopment. We also have, as a support for our panelists, we have Jay Salas with the Office of Financial Empowerment, if you can stand and give a nod. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And with that, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Mayor Michael B. Hancock. He will give a little bit about why we're here and how we're laid out and then we'll pass it to each of them to tell you who they are and what they can offer to the conversation. Good morning, Cabinet community. Good morning. We are in our sixth year of doing these Cabinet communities across the city, and we're excited to be back in District 9. I want to thank my friend Councilman Albus Brooks for welcoming and hosting us again. To Andy, to Andy uh, Feinstein. Uh, thank you again, Andy. My pleasure, Mayor. Uh, ma'am. 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 Ma'am, no outside signs today, please. We have to ask you to step outside, please, ma'am. Ma'am, with all due respect, you're in the living room of Exto and Tracks right now, and we'd appreciate if you would take your sign outside. No outside signs, ma'am. Okay. Ma'am, with ma'am, we ma'am, with all due respect, we please we have no outside signs today. 
Okay. Sorry about that. We're going to keep rolling, y'all. This is our community meeting. We're going to keep rocking and rolling. We thank you all for your input. We thank you for your input. We're going to keep going. Let's do this. Um, this is, uh, first of all, I lost my spot. Let me get back to it. Today in this room, we have a, a lot of our cabinet members. Uh, hopefully all of them are here. I had a chance to see them. But I'm going to ask them to stand because they give their Saturday up to come and meet with our community members. I, we, I want to ask them to stand right now. Let's ask them to stand. I'm going to acknowledge Troy Riggs, who is our new safety director over here. Thank you, Don Morris. Bob McDonald is here. Thank you so very much. And the rest of our city agency and our partner agencies, please stand up and be recognized as well, who are here to be partners to this. Thank you all. This is an awesome opportunity in the life of our community. Let me tell you, we're going to change things just a little bit. For six and a half years, we've been doing these cabinet community meetings, and we do brief presentations, and then we disperse into what is considered the community fair. Uh, but I want you to know we changed things just a little bit, and we decided that in the sixth, seventh, eighth year, uh, let's have some uh, dialogue, at least on critical issues in the community. So today, what you're going to see is more of a town hall conversation uh, with regards to um, the issues of housing and uh, involuntary displacement in our city. We've got some very, very talented, very smart and informed people in our community here today, and I want to thank them uh, for giving up their time as well to sit here today and to have a thoughtful conversation. They've been introduced already, but would you once again give them a round of applause and thank them. Before I take my seat, I see also we have another elected official. I want to welcome Deborah Johnson, who is our elected clerk and recorder. I want to see, is there anyone else here? Is there anyone else here? All right, ma'am. Thank you. We see it. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hear you. We hear you. We heard you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to make sure there are no other elected officials before we turn the podium back over. All right. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much, Mayor. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much. So the way that we're going to govern this meeting is we've made opportunity for you to bring your questions to this panel. We will have two microphones available for you. We also have three by five cards if you want to write your questions down and get them prepared. We'll have a microphone here in the middle, and that microphone will be governed by Anthony Graves right here. Thank you so much, Anthony. On this end over here, we have another mic stand, and that microphone will be handled by Kim Desmond, and you can ask your questions to the panel there. Okay? Let us get started. You guys can go ahead and get started with your conversation, and they'll be begin to come to the line. Okay? I'll put this mic back. Ooh, that was close. <laughs> All right, there's been a lot of conversations in the community about housing. Uh, and we, again, have some very informed um, folks who are on the front line every day dealing with housing. And we can do a lot of talking, but let's today talk about the folks who are doing uh, some things. And I think it'd be first and foremost, I'm going to ask Laura Brzezinski, who um, is on the front line in the city of Denver every day as, our, as one of our housing directors, um, to talk briefly about what the city has been doing to kind of get in front of the housing challenges? Because I think in 2011, 10, we started seeing some housing pressures in the city of Denver. Absolutely, thank you so much. Um, so my name is Laura Brzezinski. I am the manager of housing policy and programs. Yeah. 
Can folks hear me? Get a little bit closer? Um, I'll start again. I'm Laura Brzezinski with the Office of Economic Development. I manage our housing policy and programs for the city of Denver. I am also the interim executive director for the Office of Hope. I wanted to just set a little bit of context. Are folks getting any feedback? I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting a little feedback. Okay. Um, wanted to just set a little bit of context about really what we're talking about. Um, I know um, the issue of gentrification and displacement is something we wanted to just put a little bit of our, our arms around as we start this conversation and then dive deeper. Uh, so we think of the word gentrification as being a, a complex set of dynamics resulting from increased public and private investment in historically undervalued neighborhoods. Um, the Office of Economic Development in 2016 conducted an analysis of what some of the factors are that might make an, a vulnerable a community or a community vulnerable to displacement and gentrification, um, and we really think of that involuntary displacement. Co component of uh, gentrification as being the negative consequence of um, neighborhood investment that increases prices and has an impact on longtime residents and businesses potentially involuntarily displacing them from a neighborhood that they've lived in for years, uh, maybe decades. Um, so really we're focused on thinking about what we can do as a city to help mitigate for that involuntary, involuntary displacement and be very intentional about the ways that we provide equitable development in communities. Um, I think it comes as no surprise here to learn a little bit of the stats for folks um, about how Denver has grown over the last couple of years. We've grown by almost 100,000 people in just the last several years. That's a significant population boom. Um, and really the majority of the people who are coming into our neighborhoods are coming in um, as families without children, which means that this has an impact on our schools, has an impact on our communities, um, and it's really contributing to rising housing costs. Um, some neighborhoods have seen 50% increase and rising costs just over the last couple of years. Um, in only two years, we saw 25% increase in home values just from 2015 to 2017 in our assessed values uh, here with the city. Um, so those rising home prices are contributing to affordability concerns. Our incomes have risen. Our incomes have risen really at a pace faster than the state and faster than the nation in Denver. We're really lucky for that. But the growth in home prices and rents and the growth in income has left a big gap. They're not rising at the same costs, at the at the same paces. So really what's, what's um, Part of our focus is trying to do both things, try and do what we can to rage wazes and also try and bring down the cost of living. So I uh, work in the Office of Economic Development and we really are focused on um, the components related to affordability that include housing but also include businesses and include workforce development. I'll speak a little bit about some of the efforts that we are doing around housing and then certainly want to uh, talk with our other panelists today about the other components that they're doing. This is not an issue that the city addresses alone. We need partners, and I see so many of you in the room here today that work with us on this um, inside the city, at our public, our private, and our nonprofit institutions. So thank you for what you are doing to address this. Um, after that study was conducted in 2016 around understanding what areas might be vulnerable to displacement, we have really taken a lot of steps over the last couple of years to build and preserve affordable housing in those neighborhoods. We have built or preserved 5,000 units in just the last seven years since 
2011, which is a significant increase. Uh, we have also done a lot of programmatic investments. Jeff's going to talk a little bit about a pilot program that we've been working with Brothers Redevelopment on to help stabilize residents who are at risk of displacement because of a housing crisis. Uh, and I wanted to just briefly mention our Housing and Inclusive Denver Plan, which was adopted by City Council just this February, that really guides the city's investment of local and federal resources into housing development, preservation, and programs. We have new local resources uh, that in the city that we have invested $25 million just on housing programs in 17. That's our highest year ever. Um, and this year, we're set to spend about $35 million, and we're looking at ways to expand that and add additional resources for affordable housing. Uh, so that Housing and Inclusive Denver Plan that was adopted really um, prioritizes resources and um, tools that help address stabilization of residents who might be at risk of displacement and focusing on um, providing tools and investments to help stabilize those residents. I'm happy to talk about those in more detail, but I'll pause there and let our other panelists introduce themselves. All right, we're gonna get in. There more, there's more information about what the city is doing that we'll, we'll talk about uh, in just a moment. One of the interesting, I think, myths that we wanna to dispel today, it's interesting, we, we talk about the housing fund at about $15 million a year being invested in. We'll be doing, invested that in 2018 as well. But in all together, the city will be investing close to $36, $37 million this year in, a, in a, the development and preservation of affordable housing. And so we will begin to talk a little bit more about that publicly because I, I think people see one source of funding and think that's it, but we're actually bringing multiple sources of funding uh, to the table. I want to turn to Tiana Patterson, who is with the Enterprise Community Partners. She is Director of State and Local Policy uh, Program and Enterprise Community uh, Partners Office. Tiana works on legislation and policy initiatives uh, at the federal, state, and re regional and local levels on issues surrounding transit, affordable housing, and fair housing. She is a registered Colorado lobbyist and has a legal background Previous to joining the enterprise team, she worked as a law and policy fellow in Washington, D.C. at an organization dedicated to advancing the rights of women across the United States. She attended law school at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois, and undergraduate Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. And the reason why I want to bring Tiana in this conversation at this point in time is because we I don't want uh, us to continue the conversation that uh, involuntary displacement or gentrification is simply about just housing. This is a comprehensive, multi-pronged, complex set of challenges that lead a community into this space where we are starting to see involuntary displacement. Can you talk about that, Tiana? Sure. Thank you, Mayor Hancock. The, that's exactly it. You, get, you teed me up to start talking about what I love talking about, um, which is what else can we do when we, beyond production, beyond funding, to protect tenants and keep them in their homes? Because when we talk about displacement and gentrification, it's not just a matter of being pushed out. It's that the rights aren't there to begin with. Um, and I say that as, since everyone knows now that I used to live in Chicago, in DC, when I moved here and I read my lease, um, as a lawyer, I was a bit um, disappointed. <laughs> So when I started at Enterprise, one of the first things I wanted to do was think about um, what else can be done to help tenants stay. So there's an Enterprise, well, I created a, a tenant protection platform um, that focuses on um, 
I'm like so excited to talk about it. I'm like forgetting which one to go with first. But there's, uh, for instance, there's some bills at the state, like uh, tenants having a copy of their, having a right to a copy of their lease and a receipt for payment of rent. Um, when I moved here, I didn't realize that tenants didn't have that protection. Um, and without that, when we talk about displacement, uh, if you're in court and there is no proof that you paid your rent, how are you going to stay in your home, for instance? So that actually has passed and it's been signed by the governor or it's on the governor's desk, I can't remember. But now everyone should have a right to a copy of their lease and a receipt for when they pay their rent. Um, and so those are very incremental examples and steps but that's really the focus at Enterprise, and we've long been um, a happy partner to the city in advising them on strategies that go beyond funding, um, because Enterprise also wants to focus more on the whole, tent, the whole person who's in affordable housing. So when we talk about something like warranty of habitability, the standard that, um, needs to be met for a, an apartment to be considered habitable for humans to live in, that that's a health issue as well. And when we talk about lease and copy of receipts, that's a consumer protection issue as well. So we're trying to think of these things more creatively and not just focus on funding as the sole source of ending um, affordable housing shortage. It's that people should stay when they want to. Very good. We're going to come back to that because I think it's an important piece. I want to just have everyone see Jason Salas's face once again. Have you stand up, Jay? Um, because the city of Denver, my administration started these financial empowerment centers around the city of Denver. And it goes to the heart of addressing the whole tenant, the whole resident, the whole citizen who is challenged with evictions, who's challenged with financial um, issues. Um, foreclosure, um, displacement, and recognizing that uh, we have to take a holistic approach, and uh, his financial empowerment centers help to do just that. And uh, quite frankly, if you're here today, we want to make sure you go see Jason Salas and his team over at their table today because they have a lot of resources and have proven to be extremely effective uh, in helping residents of Denver with a myriad of issues, not just in voluntary displacement or eviction, but myriad of issues in their, in, with regards to their financial management. I'm going to go uh, to a friend in Jeff Martinez uh, over at Brothers Redevelopment. Uh, Jeff is a native of Denver, Denver, woo woo. Uh, he provides general oversight of this great, venerable institution in Denver. It's clients centered uh, programs, including home maintenance, repair, housing counseling, and the Colorado Foreclosure Hotline. Uh, prior to becoming president, Jeff uh, served as Vice President of Programs and Public Affairs with the organization. And uh, prior to joining that staff, Jeff was a successful, had a successful career guiding public affairs and programs and strategies for the city of Aurora uh, and Solis Advertising. I think that's where we met, Solis Advertising and Public Relations, Kaiser Permanente, Metropolitan State College, uh, uh, University, excuse me, Denver uh, Regional Council of, uh, Council of Governments. He's a 1995 graduate of Metropolitan State College, now Metropolitan State University. He is a pioneer. 
Um, he has done a lot in our city. He's done a lot. His, his bio goes on and on and on and on. So we're not going to bore, but I think the, the key is that this is a true stakeholder in the city of Denver. You serve thousands of residents with regards to housing, maintenance, emergency services, uh, foreclosure assistance, foreclosure crisis, down payment assistance. Um, and, and, and I think Laura hit the nail on the head when she said the city is not doing this by itself. The city cannot address this by itself. And Brothers Redevelopment is one of our partners. What are you seeing out there in terms of having been a native of Denver um, and how far we've come as a city, um, but also how we are trying to address these, this, this tremendous prosperity when people are being left behind? Sure. Well, thank you, Mayor, and thanks for everyone for uh, joining us this morning, and uh, pleasure to be here. Um, you know, we at Brothers Redevelopment see a lot of folks um, not at their best, not at their best time in their lives, a lot of folks struggling uh, to make ends meet and struggling with maintaining their home. And at Brothers, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to preserve that home, that roof over their head, whether it's um, you know, provide that home, uh, keep them in them, their home if they're seniors or someone with disability to stay in there longer and safely, uh, and just give them options and alternatives and choices, empower them uh, to make good choices uh, in all that they do as they consider uh, what they're facing. And you know, right now, uh, we receive annually about 20-some thousand calls across the region, but most from uh, folks who reside in the city and county of Denver. Uh, and they're, they're struggling. They're concerned with the cost of uh, housing, uh, rising rents. Um, they're, they're struggling with, you know, how do I purchase a home? You know, there's a low inventory. And so that's what our team is doing. Uh, Mayor Hancock mentioned that Brothers had administered the Colorado Foreclosure Hotline for many years, which we still do. Uh, we also have a, a housing helpline we call Colorado Housing Connects, which is there to help consumers across the state, uh, Denver certainly, uh, but address all manner of housing-related question or issue or concern that they might have. And I'm going to throw out this number. We have a table, but I'm going to throw it out for you today. If you know of anybody uh, who needs assistance, uh, send them our way. Our team of navigators are tremendous in working with the community. And that number is 1-844-926-6632. Toll free, uh, send them our way. But we're helping folks where they are. Uh, and that's the biggest you know, thing we can help with in terms of administering that investment that the city has made. And so we're working at Brothers with other nonprofit organizations uh, like Northeast Denver Housing, uh, Del Norte, uh, right now to administer a temporary rental and utility assistance program. It's got an acronym, TRUA. Uh, and to date, we've helped, I think, administer somewhere in the neighborhood of about $900,000 to over 500 households here in the city. Uh, and we're allowing, enabling, giving financial assistance to folks who come to us and they can't pay their rent. They're eligible for up to six months of rental or utility assistance, um, and we're helping them stay there and at the same time give them options to plan. What are the challenges you're facing? Is it trying to increase your, your living wage, your daily wage, your monthly wages? Um, are you having some other you know, issue in your household. A lot of times we see folks who come and they're facing a crisis because of a health issue, divorce, something else that might be affecting them that's, that's not really, you know, um, they have no power over. So we're guiding them through that process, giving them some time, allowing them uh, to breathe. And in addition to administering that financial assistance, again, that housing navigation component that we administer along with a lot of other great nonprofit organizations in this city, folks have been around as long as Brothers Redevelopment, but we're all working 
together to educate, empower, and inform folks so they better understand their choices uh, moving forward. And you know that takes um, takes a lot of effort, uh, and it takes the support of the city uh, to be able to you know invest in in those services. And so that's why you know we're pleased to be in that space. That's what Brothers does. Thank you, Jeff. And we're going to, I'm sure, have some questions for you. I'm going to turn to a, a guy in Denver who, where we get a community perspective. Daryl B. Watson is just a good dude um, and has been involved in the city of Denver and the community for a very, very long time. He, he is a professional at TIA CREF or TIAA, uh, has been for over, I, I got it right, I yeah, forgot yeah. to change the name. Uh, for over 21 years. I know he doesn't look like he would uh, have served anywhere for over 21 years, uh, but it is a Fortune 100 financial services company located in downtown Denver. I think this is our their second largest yes. uh, base here in Denver, um, supporting individuals with careers in K-12 and secondary education, research, science, nonprofit, healthcare, municipal and state government. He is a business manager focused on employee engagement, identifying opportunities to increase efficiency and employee performance. Uh, I think the one thing that we can say about Darrell Watson is that he is an uber community engagement um, leader. Um, and coming out of Whittier neighborhood, a neighborhood that has not been immune from this, this, this uh, in gentrification challenge that many neighborhoods around the city are facing. Um, and so I, I just hope you can give us, from a community perspective, Daryl, and how, from a grassroots level, uh, some of these challenges can be addressed. Thank you, uh, Mayor Hancock, and uh, thanks for an invitation, the extension for me to be here. Uh, my name is Daryl Watson, as the mayor stated, and one of the things that I am extremely proud of, as far as what has made me the man that I am, uh, I grew up in the projects in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and we moved to, I moved to Colorado to, to attend the University of Colorado at Denver. I understand the emotion, or at least I, I have a sense of the emotion and the pain that um, occurs or that people feel around uh, gentrification and displacement. And I think today you're going to hear a lot of stats and numbers around the percentages, the work that the city is doing around gentrification and displacement. But I want, at least for the short moments in which I will respond to questions or speak to you directly, I want to share a little bit about the personal um, feel and touch of displacement and how it impacts uh, folks in the city and county of Denver. I, I would so appreciate, Tiana, your statement around the whole tenant and the whole person. Uh, there are many things that the state, uh, the federal government, and the city and county of Denver that they're doing that's positive that can help and assist individuals. But I'd like to ask the, the folks in the audience with a show of hands, how many of you are spending more than 50% of your uh, monthly income on rent? Show of hands. Now, that's not a statistic. I know growing up poor, growing up black in the projects, when you're thinking about food on the table, when you're thinking about whether your lights are going to be take, shut off, when you're thinking about can you maintain um, a level of, of life that you and your family have, there's a lot less things that you have time to think about, like financial security. So a lot less things you have to think about, like wealth and building wealth for your family and equity in your home or getting an education. And so my thoughts as far as a community member and living in Whittier um, I listen to and I hear the pain of neighbors who are being displaced. But I also listen to what I think is a false narrative that gentrification and displacement is kind of a, a total victim um, 
process, meaning we as community members, black and brown members of the community and, and poor whites, um, that we don't have the ability to push back or we do not have the ability to stay where we're at. Uh, uh, there are some things that the city and the state are doing that can enable uh, poor uh, black and brown folks to really stand up and maintain and stay within the communities that they, that they live in and that their families live in. And throughout this dialogue, I'll share a few of the things that I'm familiar with, a few of the things that I feel should empower you as uh, individuals to be able to, to own where you're at, to stay where you're at, and build wealth for your family. So gentrification and displacement, sir, for me, it's a, it's a personal thing. Even if you look at the numbers and the work that the city is doing, it truly isn't enough. It's not enough what the state is doing, and it's not enough what the federal government is doing. But we as individuals, we have a role to play as well, and not just simply relying on Councilman Brooks in District 9 or Mayor Hancock across the city, um, but there are things we can do, and I'd like to share some of those things that nonprofits are currently doing as well to help build that. Why would we call on our government to do anything? Please, Mayor Hancock, answer that. So let me, let, let's, let's, uh, let, let's, let, let's talk about what the city is doing. Well, you get a good question. Let's talk about what the city is doing because one of the things that we've said in 2013 that the city of Denver cannot. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So the city of Denver, and we let's we can do the Q and A now. We're going to move into that section. But the city of Denver not only has the, in partnership with city council, launched a $150 million fund. Um, one of the other things that we, we've also concentrated our resources that come from the federal government uh, toward affordable housing. But we started this not when we just did the $150 million fund. Actually, we started in 2012 allocating money for, more money for affordable housing through our general uh, fund. Um, we initiated in 2013 the 3x5 challenge, which we actually wanted to build 3,000 new units in five years. We actually beat that number in four um, because of the commitment of and bringing in partners um, across the city to help us to build these, these, these units. Um, we also uh, have established some other funds, and I think it was Jeff who mentioned the TRUA fund that in November uh, launched in the city of Denver. Um, that allowed us to provide temporary rental and utility assistance. Uh, that was $800,000. And we learned very quickly um, the score of challenges with that because those dollars went very fast. And we're now reevaluating how we can approach it with another pool of dollars uh, to, be a, to, to provide assistance to our, our residents going forward, as well as to engage other people. We've strengthened our inclusionary housing ordinance um, through some creative work and even starting with Councilman Brooks and working with the 38th and Blake project, allowing for how we can work with the developers to make sure that affordable housing is a part of their developments going forward. But as Tiana pointed out, I think it's very important that we remember that this is a comprehensive approach. When we've had stagnation of wages over two and a half decades, um, there's no way that wages are going to keep up with the cost of living no matter where you are. And that's why we're seeing such sizable uh, 
challenges with, uh, with gentrification and voluntary displacement across the country. Um, and this is an issue that starts from Washington all the way through every one of our cities and that we have allowed for the stagnation of wages um, to hold people at bay when their cost of living have quite frankly escalated um, way beyond control to where we have the number of hands that go up where 50% of your income is going towards your rent or mortgages. That's a challenge, and when you add into that the cost of transportation and moving about the city, or any city for that matter, you further exacerbate the problems that we're seeing with people who have minimum choices and less flexibility. Let me just finish with this, and then we'll answer into the first question, and that is, uh, in 2002, Denver passed um, what is considered our master plan. Blueprint Denver is what it's called. Um, and it would identify areas of change and areas, areas of stability. One of the masterful things about that master plan is that as we look back today in 2018, some 20, 16, 15, 16 years later, 80% of all development that's occurred in this city has gone to the areas of change. So the master plan has directed development where it's supposed to be. And so we are now in the midst of updating that plan through a process called Denver Right, um, and it will help us to uh, further refine based on Denver's growth and development where we should be putting our focus uh, going forward over the next 20, 25 years. Is Brad Buchanan in the room somewhere? Director of Community Planning and Development. He's here. He'll be at his table. And I'm sure Brad would love to hear from you about what's going on in Denver. Right, we've had thousands of residents around the city participate so far to give their input. And we would love to hear from you again today. Questions? At this time, we're going to go ahead and begin our question and answer portion of the um, event. And so what I would like for you to do. All right, Lisa, please, everybody. Ladies, we're beginning a Q&A session. We'd appreciate if you guys would just move on to the back of the room. All right. All right. Thank you, ladies. Ray, thanks. Can you guys please go back to the back of the room so we can start the Q&A session? Let's do this. Let's dismiss to the community fair, and we'll answer your questions at the tables. Uh, cabinet members, you're dismissed.